gosh, so many thoughts running through my mind. I just, I really want to pray right now. Really just pray that God would just bring some clarity. Um, I had a whole message written out on Wednesday, and then I wrote a whole different one yesterday, and then, and then now I feel like a different one now. So <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to waste your time, and I want something real to happen. So would you? Seriously, join me as we come into the presence of God and ask him to speak now. Father, it's an honor to speak about you. God, I want to somehow communicate how great you are. God, to somehow communicate your, how you're sovereign and you're personal. God, I just... Everything your word tells us is that you have to open people's eyes. You have to enlighten their hearts. Otherwise, I'm just screaming for a blind man to look. So, Father, I pray that miracle would happen today. And this time where you bless us with your presence, you open our eyes to how beautiful you are, you take our eyes off the things of this earth and set our mind on things above and give us your spirit, Lord, so that we don't take our mind off of the things above, how good you are. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. May the words that come out of my mouth make much of you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I, I feel like this was the happiest week of my life, okay? Not exaggerating. I just, you know, this morning people were like, how are you doing? I'm like, feel like this was the happiest week of my life. You know, Dave Lomas asked me, how are you doing? The happiest week of my life. He goes, why? I go, nothing changed. Uh, you know, like, like it was great. I mean, last week was great. I had my anniversary. That was cool. Um, we went and saw uh, La La Land, you, you know, because uh, Lomas told me, hey, you know, you got to watch this. You know, it's, it's your anniversary. And, and, and Lomas to you, he's like a spiritual leader. To me, he's a love doctor. He just, you know, and so I just, I just take his advice, right? No, but I, we watched this movie, and seriously, for those who've seen it, and I'm not spoiling it for those who haven't, those who've seen it, I, I tell my wife afterwards, I go, I feel like I'm living the dream. 
You know, seriously, like everything, everything, I, I can't believe it. And we're praying together. I'm just going, gosh, God, I, I, and it's not, it's not like stuff. It's not like, uh, because this is going well, and this is going well, and this is going well. And th that's not why this week is so amazing, or this year has been so amazing already. It's not why 2016 was so great, but I'm getting it more and more. Like, what's so great is I'm in this relationship with him, and and, and, and it's just, it's bringing me more joy, like every week where I'm getting it and I'm just going, God, I'm so happy. I'm so stinking happy. Like all week, I did, the times I'll just burst out in tears. Sometimes I'll just scream because I'm like, I'm so happy. Like I'm scared I'm going to swear right now. Because I, <laughs> you ever feel that way where it's like, man, I'm just so freaking happy, you know, I just want to yell because life is so, so good. But it's not, again, it's not these circumstances of this is going so perfectly or this is going so, it's just from knowing him. I mean, it really can be this good. Man, seriously, it's like I, I know, I walk in this room and I go, I know there are people smarter than me in here. I bet money on it. But I also bet, I don't know if there's anyone happier right now, <laughs> seriously, where I go, there's no way, there's no way, because you'd be screaming, you'd be swearing, you'd be doing something. It's just this insane feeling. I'm praying, I'm going, God, how do I communicate this? You know, because it's like when you eat something, you taste it, you can't describe it. You just got to shove it in someone's mouth and go, see, didn't I tell you, right? <laughs> didn't I tell you? And, and that's what the Bible talks about, how you have to taste and see that God is good. You know, when it's like nothing else, it's just him, just knowing him, just falling in love all over again and going, God, I don't care where I am. I don't care what's going on. It's just awesome to be here, right here with you. Man, and that's what I, I just want people to get um, so badly because I think sometimes, even in church, we can make it about so many different things. I remember when I first heard about Christianity, a little old lady that was explaining it to me, and I remember her saying, this is not a religion, it is a relationship. All right, many of us heard that. This is not about religion, it's about relationship. And that is so true, but the problem is, is all of my church experience didn't emphasize that. I, I went to churches where it just seemed like everything was about not doing the wrong things. And then I've been to other churches where it was all about doing these right things. And then I've been to other churches where it's all about learning and, and understanding certain things and showing that everyone else is wrong. Then I went to other churches where it's all about miracles and how we're going to get these miracles to happen. I've been to other churches where it's all about let's get bigger and bigger and build more buildings and get more people. And at the end of the day, I'm going, gosh, have I ever been to a church where they're just known for people who just adore, like they love being with Jesus. Like they're just, everyone I meet, it's just like, oh, they're in this other world because they're so in love with a person. The person of God and all their joys and the, all that other stuff is important. All that other stuff is biblical. 
Of course I try not to do the things that he hates, but it's because I love him. And, and, and I just want to be close to him. And I know all that other crap just keeps this from happening. And that's why I do that. Of course I want him to speak through me right now to you so I can tell you how great he is. I mean, I want these things. I want to reach everyone. I want to help the needy. But at the core of it, we have to be men and women who just adore him, who love him. Otherwise, we have buildings filled with people that are just moral and trying to do good things and trying not to do bad things. But at the end of the day, there's no desire. Like they don't love being alone with him. And they're not just satisfied with being with him. And then we try to find this contentment in so many different things and and it's just never going to happen. I mean, this book, cover to cover, is about knowing him. It's about human beings getting to know him. And go, are you kidding me? I'm in relationship. I'm in friendship. He calls me his bride, his son, his family, his friend. Are you kidding me? He says he'll be with me always, not just be with me, but he'll actually dwell in me. That's what this book is about, about relationship. And I don't know what kind of church you've come from and what it's become, but we can get distracted. And suddenly we can be known for so many things. And I was even thinking with pastors, like I respect so many speakers because they're brilliant or they're gifted leaders, and it's like, man, how many pastors do I know that I just go, man, here's a guy that is just known for being in love with Jesus, being in love with God and knowing him and being known by him, and that's his joy. And I just, I've just been like sick in some ways, going, God, I can't believe how many things I've made this about you. You know, I, I made this about, and not about knowing you. And so I kind of want to just start all over today and go, can we just start over and, and remember, you know, just almost erase a lot of the stuff that we've been brought up with and go back to exactly what scripture talks about from cover to cover. I mean, in the beginning, in the beginning, I mean, think about this. Have you ever thought about the beginning where there was a pile of dirt and God turns it into man? And then with his own breath, after creating the world, breathes his own breath into this human being. And this human being comes to life and goes, and, and God is there going, I made you. I created you. You're breathing because of me. And you're thinking now. And you're feeling now. And can, have you ever imagined what would it be like to be Adam? There's the creator. You made everything. And he makes this beautiful garden and says, I'm going to dwell in here with you. I'm going to walk with you. And then, I, then he creates, you know, the woman. And he goes, I want this union and I want to be here with you in this garden. You can have anything, anything. Stay away from that tree. Everything else, right? <laughs> and I got to ask you right now, is there any part of you that is jealous for that? Seriously, because we can make church about so many other things, but at the core of it is supposed to be like, oh my gosh, if I could just walk around with the creator, 
who's in charge of everything and walk around and, and, and I could speak to him like I'm speaking to people and see him, the, the, the all-powerful in charge of everything, the maker of all things, and to actually walk with him and hang out with him and be with him in the garden, nothing to fear, complete security with my maker. Oh, I hope there's something in you that just goes, oh, I want that because this whole book is about how we can get back to that. And so if you don't even want that, then it's like, what is this about? Do you get it? It, it, was, it was about, you know, Adam and Eve at, at some point, you know, they had it all. They were living it. This was the life. And yet they get tempted and they start thinking, wait, wait, no, maybe, maybe the creator is keeping something from us. Why is he saying this is forbidden? He can't tell me, you know, is this really a bad thing? If he's so good, why would he keep me from this? And you start to question, and, and then they take of that. And, and God's saying, seriously? You walked away from me and everything? Was I not enough? Did I not just give you everything? You, you wanted more than me. And, and, then the, and then you start reading the stories in, in the Bible of, of, of Abraham. And now Abraham was what? A friend of God. Known as a friend of God. It's just like, shut up. You are a you little human being are a friend with God. And God speaks to him, makes covenants with him, promises to him. And then to Isaac and to Jacob, you know, just reading yesterday about how, you know, God's calling out to Jacob, 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 just talking to him like, God, I want to hear you say my name. You know, then Joseph and how God's with him in the prison and everywhere he goes, it says he just prospers. Why? Because God's with him. And then God's with Moses and then he's on the mountaintop. Here's God and man on a mountaintop together. Everyone's looking on, and there's lightning, there's thunder, there's fire, and they're going, look, Moses, little human Moses, is speaking to God. And then he'd get into his little tent of meeting every once in a while, and whatever he went in that mount, you know, in that, in that little tent, everyone would look on and go, he's in there, he's talking to God. This is insane, God dwelling with man. And that's why when, when God tells Moses, hey, go to the promised land, I'm not going to go, but you can have everything, everything. He goes, no, forget it. If you don't go with me, I'm not going. I don't care about the promised land. Oh, you think I want all this stuff? So God, I want you. I don't want, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going anywhere unless you're with me because I love you. See, that's what the Bible's about. It's about human beings who look at their creator and go, man, I just want you. Man, it's not the promised land. Are you kidding me? It's not a house. It's not a relationship with a human being. It's you. That's what I want. That's what this book is all about. That's why David, David says, look, you're my shepherd. I don't want anything else. I don't, I don't need anything else. You're my shepherd. I mean, you lead me, you know, to besides still waters. You make me lay down on green pastures. Man, I, I, my cup is overflowing. He goes, what do I want? You've so filled me up. I feel like I'm just spilling over. 
And even, even when there's enemies all around me, I'm just like, ah, I don't care. I just sit here and eat. I'm so happy. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's like I don't want anything to come here because you want this, want this, want this. Or do you come here like overflowing? Like, you got to be kidding me. I know God. The Lord is my shepherd. That's why David says, you know, the psalmist, he says, this is the one thing I ask. This is the only thing I ask for. Is can I just dwell in your house every day of my life and just stare at your beauty? I'm not asking for anything else. This is my prayer life, God. Yesterday, I was just in my room praying to God, and I'm going, God, I get it. This is all I want. This is all I want, because right now, I'm picturing you in this room with me with no one else around, and I'm going, God, please. Can I get this every day? Can I not have a single day go by where I just do stuff and I don't recognize you being right here with me? Yeah, I don't want a day to go by where I'm not just staring at your beauty and going, no way, I can't believe we're friends. I can't believe you call me your son. I can't believe I know you. Because days will go by and I get into these stupid things. I'm going, oh God, I don't want another day of my life to be where I don't stare at your beauty. And I don't just sit here with you and go, this is so stinking awesome. This is so amazing that you love me. That's the one thing I ask for. That's why David says, you know what? In a dry and weary land where there's no water, it's you that I want. That's why he says, like a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you. That's why, I, in, in, like Jeremiah, that's why in Jeremiah, man, it's a love story. Where God looks at these people and he goes, man, what's going on? He goes, I thought I was a good husband to you. Why are you running after other things? And then in Jeremiah 2, verse 12, he says, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked be utterly desolate, declares the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. God, the creator, goes, man, everyone in heaven, listen, look, look what's going on in this earth. You should be appalled at what's going on down there. Look at these people. They're not happy with me anymore. I'm not enough for them. This is appalling. The creator, and I'm not enough? And look at them. They're, they're digging up these wells. He goes, here I am, the spring of living water. You'll be splashing everywhere forever with me. But instead, what are you doing? You're digging up this cistern, trying to dig something that'll hold water, and it's not holding water. And, and they even create churches where, where they're, they're like, come on, God, help me dig. Help me dig this because I'm going to find fulfillment in this. Uh, you know, hey, I'll follow you if you give me this or this because I think this will make me happy, not you. And he goes, man, this is appalling. They don't care about me. They just want this stuff and this stuff's not going to make them happy. None of this is going to make them happy. You don't want me. You just want that. You're going to try that fruit. You didn't think I gave you everything. You're not finding fulfillment in me. And he says in Jeremiah, this is appalling. I, I thought I was a great husband. I thought I was a pretty amazing creator. And then you get in the New Testament and you've got Jesus saying, 
Matthew 7, it's, at the end times, people are going to say, wait, but didn't I do this? Didn't I do this? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. You never really cared to know me. But I did this. I did all the right things. My church said not to do this and to do this. My church said to pursue this. So I did this, 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 this. He goes, I never knew you. The great command, he says, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. It's about this affection. And the book of Romans is about how he changes us. And he doesn't give us a spirit of slavery, but he says he gives you a spirit of sonship by which your spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Your spirit cries out. It's like, ah, dad, dad. You know, just everything. I love you. I, it's this affection. It's a desire. That's why, that's why Paul, the apostle Paul continues and he says, man, everything, everything that I've ever accomplished, he goes, I count it all crap. Everything in my life compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He goes, I just love knowing him. He goes, for me to live is knowing him and to die is gain because I'll know him even better. This is my desire. And that's why John, in 1 John, is like, oh, it, that which was from the beginning, I actually touched him. I actually heard from him. I actually saw him with my eyes. And he goes, this is the message. I have fellowship with him. Fellowship. I have fellowship with God. And he goes, and this would make my joy complete as if you also would have fellowship with us. And our, our fellowship is with the Father and his son, Jesus. And then you get to the book of Revelation. What's the book of Revelation all about? At the end, it's all done. And God says, oh, I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to be with you again. For those of you who overcome, those of you who love me, it's back to the garden. And then some. And I'll wipe every tear away from your eyes. I'll be your God. You'll be my people. And I'm going to dwell with man again. And so for those of us who get it and go, are you kidding me? I get to be with him and we get to walk with him. And I get to see the love of my life and hang out with him forever. That's why we long for heaven. It's him. That's what I was praying for last week, right? That God would enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we would know the hope to which he's called us. What's that hope? Walking with Jesus again. Longing for him. And I, I just got to ask, has this become about something else for you? Or maybe it was never about knowing him. And you just thought, you know what? I just thought he could help me dig my cistern. I thought he could help me restore my family. I thought he could do this or that, help me get out of this addiction. Man, all those things are true. But that's not what's central. What's central is knowing him and loving him. And, and that's where you'll find your fulfillment is falling in love. And, and I know, <laughs> I was a little cynical a little bit when we were singing that first song 
Um, I waited patiently for the Lord. And I thought, these guys haven't waited patiently for anything. This generation, are you kidding me? You don't know what it means to wait, you know? I just thought, oh gosh, to wait patiently for the Lord, to dig deep in relationship rather than quick posts and texts and da 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 da. It's like, ah, oh, the depth of relationship. And I thought, you know, it's so hard for some of you to even connect with a human being that you can see and really be soul to soul. How difficult it must be for you to get alone with someone you cannot see. Take your mind off of everything else and just deeply commune with him and fellowship with him and just go, God, right now I see how beautiful you are and I can't take my eyes off of you. That's work, a lot of work. And I'm praying that you would see his worth, see his beauty. Man, I just want to real quickly... um, remind you of some truths in Romans because maybe you're hearing this and you're going, okay, that sounds good, but how do I get there? Okay, I just want to make sure we understand the goal of this and the truth of this book is not about do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. There is a lot of that in there. But that comes out of the overflow of relationship and a personal God and truly knowing him and desiring him. For those of you who want him. In Romans chapter 3, remember last week the verse uh, we shared, Romans 3 verse 4. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. That's an important verse. I told you, this is one of the most important verses for this generation. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. I know you think it matters what you think, but it doesn't, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and maybe other people even think it matters what you think, and they follow you and your thoughts. And God says it really doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what I think, because I'm the creator Okay, so Adam and Eve, you want to share your brilliant thoughts with me as I just brought you into existence? I'm really not that impressed. He goes, what matters is what I think. And so even if every human being agrees on something and I disagree with it, I am right. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. So even if you in your own heart believe that you are of no value, God says you're lying. Here's what I think. And this is all that matters. This is all that should matter to you. So when you're getting depressed and going, oh, I'm this worthless, this, 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 that's because this is what you think. And God says, I don't, I don't care. That's, that's not even true. That's why Paul says, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. It's the Lord who judges me. It, it, it's about him. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. And in Romans 3, verse verse. He says it in context, verse 4, let God be true though everyone were a liar as it is written that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. 
But if our righteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in human way, in a human way, by no means, for then how could God judge the world? This, this verse, this passage is, is used in context to this idea that was going on thousands of years ago. It's not new to your generation of, well, how could a loving God judge? You think we just came up with that? <laughs> this is 2,000 years ago. And, 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 and Paul's defending God's right to judge. He goes, hey, let God be true, though everyone, I don't care if everyone says he doesn't have the right to judge. He says he wants to prevail in this. He, he says, how can we say, what are we going to say, that God's unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? Many of us would answer that question, yeah. Okay, great, that's what you think. And God says, I'm not unrighteous to inflict wrath. I'm not unrighteous to judge the world. And if you go down to verse 19, he says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Again, there's that phrase, these phrases that he uses. He says, the law, what was the point of the law? He says, so that every mouth may be stopped. Why did God give these commands? Was it all about the commands? He goes, no, the commands are just to shut you up. Because you go, oh, I'm a good person, I'm a good person. I... He's going to show you the law. He goes, never mind. He goes, I want to shut the mouth of the whole world. And that's what the law does. It, it, it was, uh, man, I almost got pulled over on the way here today. <laughs> ah, do you know that panic feel of the lights come on? And I'm like, I don't think I was eating. And then he pulled the car next to me. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> that guy was probably in sin and not enjoying you. You know, and, and uh, but I knew if I got pulled over, you know, he's just going to, because this, it's happened to me before. Man, I remember worst, one of the stupidest days. You know, I was driving to Utah. I was in San Francisco. I was driving to Utah. No, I was in L.A. driving to Utah for a camp. And, and I'm on the way to, to Utah. I get a speeding ticket. I was like 20-something. I, I, I was going like 90. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, and he shows me. And I'm like, nothing I can say. I just got to shut up. That's the law. I'm so depressed, and then I think, oh, I got an idea. I'm going to pass through Vegas. I'll just win the money back. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah, God's going to bless you, Francis, for, you know. Uh, why would I think a sovereign God is going to bless me in that endeavor? <laughs> I literally emptied my bank account. Several hundred dollars. It, just, it wasn't that much. I probably had 300 bucks in the bank, but lost it all. Get back in the car and go, no way. <laughs> and now I got to drive the rest of the way. A couple hours later, I see some familiar lights. No way. <laughs> he pulls me over and he goes, you're going 75. I go, 
I was going 90, look. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Here's speed limit. It was, I'm just like, oh, nothing you can say, right? What, what are you going? I was going the flow. He goes, there's no flow there. You just, just shut up. You broke it. See, that's the commands. God's saying, that's what my law was for, was for those of you who go, well, I'm going to show them how righteous I am. I'm going to show them how many good things I've done. Could I do that with that policeman? Hey, do you know who I am? I'm actually going to speak at a winter camp. You know, like, like this, these are good things in my life. I'm actually doing this. I'm actually doing that. No, you're guilty. And God says, look, this is the law. You may think this is unrighteous. You may think it's not fair. But you know what? When we disagree, I'm right. Okay, and when I say you've broken the law, here's the law, it's broken, you have no righteousness, you can't come into my presence. And what killed me when I was reading through Romans the other week was, uh, was in chapter 2, uh, verse 4, when he says, Don't, do, do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, your story up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Did he just say that? That I'm storing up wrath for myself every time I break one of these commands here? Wrath? I'm storing up wrath for myself on the day when God's righteous judgment will be revealed? Is he allowed to do that? Because I don't know, me and a lot of my friends and, and you know, everything I read about and, and all these popular people are saying he has no right to do that. Store up wrath. And then, and then in chapter 5, it says, while we were enemies. Wait, can God have enemies? Why is he using these words while we were enemies? And, and I went there. I tried to imagine what would it be like at the end of my life if I stood before this holy being who's in charge of everything and he looks at me as his enemy. I tried to imagine, what do you do when he opens up the law and says, look, I did, I broke it, I broke it, I broke it. And what do you do when he says, I've been storing up wrath for you. And you can't have any righteousness on your own. And I just thought, I came before my creator as an enemy, and he stored up wrath for me, and I just tried to imagine that scene. It just makes you sick. What do you do, what do you do, what do you do? You can't get this righteousness but that's the good news of the Bible, right? The good news is God said, you can't. You couldn't do it, but there is a way to become righteous. It's not by your works. He, he talks about it in, in chapter 4. He talks about Abraham. He goes back in, in verse uh, 21 and how Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. 
But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. See, when that book is opened and I'm looking at my life and my mouth is just shut because I can't justify my life, I can't justify my actions, he says, there's a way to become righteous, though, by believing. He says, Abraham believed in God's provision and his promises, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he says, that was written for our sake, so that we could understand there's a way that I could stand before God and be counted righteous. And he says it's through faith in his son that he really did take all of my trespasses, all my sin, all of my garbage on the cross. He took it for me on the cross and he rose from the grave. And my belief in that makes me Righteous, justified, counted righteous so that when I see God, I'll close with this. The next verse, Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Man, I was reading that the other day, and I mean, I literally just go, no way. I just let it out like, God, are you kidding me? So now, because I believe in you, I've been justified and I have peace with you and I have access to you and I stand in grace and actually hope to share in the glory of God that one day I'm actually going to be in his presence and all of his glory, see him in all of his glory and partake in his glory and share in his glory. And this is the God that I spend my days with. Unbelievable. I hope that Church hasn't become just this thing you go to and a bunch of people where you just try to do a bunch of good things and not do bad things. I'm praying that you guys are still madly in love with him. I'm praying for a church, could be reality church, one day where everyone's just known for being these love-struck, like, fanatic, just obsessed with the person of God. And you're just going, oh, I love him. I love this person who is with me and in me. And I spend eternity with him. Let's pray. Hmm.
want to know you, Jesus. God, help those who have grown up in churches where it's just all about doing good things, avoiding sin, or just learning more stuff, or seeking miracles, or getting rich, or having a nice family, or growing to millions of people, or raising money, doing good deeds, caring for the poor, to the neglect of knowing you. God, may we be people who are satisfied in you and you alone. May we just love this time of worship where we just think about your presence and adore you and tell you we just love being in a room with you. And we can't wait to see you dwell with you forever. Thank you for making that possible through your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, for what you suffered so that we can have access to God right now and be called his sons and daughters, his friends, his bride. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.